just watched Logan's Run last night. <laughs> oh, you did? I, that was a movie I was considering watching at some point. I kind of want his shirt. <laughs> it's because I think oh. it's hilarious, and it actually <laughs> looks kind of... That's what's so funny, is we're starting to come full circle now. I feel like the... I forgot what they were called, the people who hunt the old people shirts, those security guards. I actually think that's a pretty stylish shirt. By the way, that movie, I get why it's like a 70-something on Rotten Tomatoes, because Brock, who watched it with me, would have said, well, I mean, you got to grade on a curve a little bit with movies like that. And I'm like, no, but here's the thing. Cult movies usually get glowing 80 or 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is like a 70-something, and I get why. Yeah. The first third of the movie is awesome. It's legitimately decent story and set piece. And then, like, the last two thirds are just kind of like, I don't know, we really needed any of this. <laughs> like, they, like, we escaped the city, and now we're just kind of, I don't know, walking around a place that looks like it was 100 feet off the highway in California or something. But you know what? The truth broke the machine. It's also, you should watch the movie. I won't spoil it, actually, any more than I have. Yeah. But it's good. It's worth watching. All right. You got it recording, Dan? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so we actually had to re-record this part because, well, honestly, I have no idea why. But uh, that's always fun when you just have it stop recording two minutes in. Yep, I really love that. At least you got to hear most of our Logan's Run conversation because that was the <laughs> important part. <laughs> Anyways, the first article of the uh, this episode is just, so Ryzen 3000 reviews. What 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 is your? How would you summarize them? Actually, now, let me ask it that way. How would I've talked this to death? How would you summarize how Ryzen three thousand is received? Um, I mean, I would say to put it simply, it brings performance. Uh, it brings performance of Intel uh, chips to levels half their prices in some cases. I mean, that's more the case with Epic, but. I mean, even with the uh, Ryzen 3 uh, lineup, we see these inc- way lower prices for similar performance to what you would get with Intel. I mean, I, I guess that's my overall first impression. Yeah, and what I find weird is how this situation, apples to apples, is quite literally the same as Ryzen 1000. This is actually something in our spare time, me and Chris at Good Old Gamer have talked to death about is just i we cannot get over how this is literally one-to-one the same benchmark results from back in what was that 2017 you literally had a quad core 7700k winning in gaming by like five to ten percent to an eight core 1800x and well and and for the same price almost an eight core 1700x and Yet this time it's just regarded so well. I guess actually you touched on something. Maybe the difference is, well, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think the difference is people have grown a brain and they realize more cores does matter. Over time, it's making a difference. You just have to go back and look at how the quad core i5s are doing. I mean, they. I think they've just woken up that that 5% difference is just a complete joke. And they see the big picture now. But additionally, I think before it might be worth pointing out that the cheaper Ryzen 1000 chips were actually like 25% worse at gaming to the top Intel chips. And now, honestly, like what's even going on anymore? You have 
the 3600 for $200 within 10% of everything, right? Everything. All the way up to the 9900K, the 3900X. Everything basically games the same now. Yes, Intel's 5% stronger, but I don't know. I think it's just everything's the same. It's just more obvious this time. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it, more obvious and Intel's had, ah, sorry, Z, uh, AMD has now had two years of this being the similar story. And I guess it takes the rule of threes, I guess it takes three years for anything or three re- repetitions for anything to matter. That's the best which is, I can think of. Which is true. Zen 1, Zen Plus, Zen 2, they literally had to have the same story three times in a row for people to go, hey, look, AMD's better. Like, <laughs> I just, Which is something I've talked about. Me and not an Apple fan talked about that in depth, too, how we were just absolutely blown away by Ryzen 1000 and just thought we were looking. We thought we were looking at. We were the only sane person in a world of crazy people. Yeah, with those reviews, like I, think some, you, I mean, you you were the I'm, same, right? I mean, sometimes when you look at these things, it's just it, it feels like I have to like I have to do a double take because I, I feel like I miss something. Like when my view it just seems to be so off from what the main v- normal view is, I just feel like I must have missed something, and no, I didn't. It's just for some reason. The uh, whole bulldozer debacle for this past several years before then uh, completely skewed people's views to constantly being negative about AMD. You want to talk about constant double takes and feeling crazy? Want to talk about the (laughs) Kepler generation? (laughs) No, no, no. We don't need to again. But that, that was the exact same thing of just like, all right, I guess I'm the only one who can read numbers. I... I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. Um, but while the desktop chips are interesting, J- Jar Ithias writes in from Reader Mail, which you can if you support me on Patreon, and says, when do you think we can expect, if ever, some decent Ryzen 3000 RDNA laptops? AMD has been lacking in this department for consumers for a while, and I just completed two... Well, I guess I completed a couple of uh, Intel... CPU laptop reviews, and I'm also testing one right now. And I, I mean, it's true. I, I really think Intel is so much more competitive in laptops than people realize. I understand how impressive the 3700U is, but you, you got. I really want to stress this. You guys have to understand. The top Whiskey Lakes are performing like my 6700K while using a fourth the energy. It's absolutely hilariously better binning going to laptops right now. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Intel's top chips are just insanely good like their top bin chips are just insanely good and they can still use that to dominate the laptop space which is what they care about anyways at least for now and well on the consumer side of things at least and on the other hand amd is selling 12 nanometer vega graphics in their apus on laptops so when would ryzen 3000 rdna laptops come out and i think i mean honestly it takes longer AMD is, you know, moving in tiers. Like I've said before, I think, I don't know if I ever made it clear, but I'll say it in this podcast. I think Ryzen 1000 was about entering every single market and almost crushing uh, the HEDT market and then doing well in desktop. So there's always one that they just move the bar up a little. So then we go to Zen Plus, and then that's when they find they go from almost completely crushing HEDT 
to crushing HEDT. And the new focus was desktop, where they were mostly crushing the desktop market. Now Zen 2's out. Now they are crushing the desktop market. HEDT's long gone, and they're <laughs> mostly crushing the server market. Well, Zen 3 is what it's going to take, in my opinion. Zen 3 is when you'll get mostly crushing laptop, and desktop's gone, HEDT's gone, and server's gone. But that's what it's going to take. I think it's going to take Zen 3, to be honest, guys, and RDNA 2.0 to actually really get to where... To get into the laptop market where AMD currently is in the desktop market. I guess that's the way I would put it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't understand the sp laptop space quite as well as I do the desktop space just because I spend less time using them. But I mean... I guess it's all dependent on how well they're able to bin whatever comes out next year. Like, will they be able to get these uh, high-performance uh, chips at a low wattage like uh, Intel can? Yeah, and it's funny because I am actually use my laptop as much as my desktop, if not more. <laughs> yeah, and I know you the, I, I, And I would do all laptop reviews if I had the money, time, and support. But you guys have spoken... You guys hate laptops. <laughs> My God. <laughs> and this actually leads us to uh, Guitar Guy 515 West. When will we see L4 Cash on Ryzen? And that's in Zen 3. That's what Zen 3 is going to have, is the L4 Cash. And that in conjunction with the 7 nanometer die shrink on the IO die and more threads per core is what's going to allow AMD to just absolutely crush laptops. But remember, AM uh, Intel will be on Ice Lake. And that will, I think, cut power consumption on laptop in half again while also increasing performance by like 20% overall. I mean, and, and so, right, when I say that, it, if you're, you would probably think, am I wrong, Dan, that Zen 3 will still probably only barely be better than Ice Lake at the 10-watt area? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I, I'm not sure when uh, L4 cache will come, but it, it, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that generally. They can really, I, I think they can have one more gen where they're competing with Zen 2 in a way that doesn't look completely horrible. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the big question uh, lies in if they would be willing to bring those golden chips to desktop because the last space that they're truly competitive in at this point, going back to the previous point, is laptops. Yeah. But... I mean, yeah, I I guess I don't think anything that I'm seeing in this possible leak seems un, unfeasible or, like, too out there. Um, but <laughs> I, I Which mean, a lot of people, yeah, this... by the way, seem to think that I was saying this leak is 100% true just because I commented on it. And I just, uh, man, you guys got to listen. What I said is this, a lineup, I literally what I said is a lineup similar to this is plausible. That's what I said. And that's my overall point, as I think something like that is coming. But to those that think I flip-flopped on Comet Lake, no, I, I haven't. Uh, my overall point with Comet Lake is it can bring back competition to the desktop market. But competition isn't the same as where Intel was four years ago. Intel wasn't competitive. Intel was destroying <laughs> the market with zero competition from Dozer. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous and now we're already to a point where, and everyone keeps seemingly forgetting this, the 16-core with a 4.7 gigahertz boost is coming out in a couple months. This will come out after that. They're competing with AMD's mid-range at this point, and God knows how powerful Threadripper is going to be. Which, I mean, yeah, if we're looking at 
uh, where AMD was from that perspective uh, when they were on Bulldozer. That was essentially what AMD had there. Best uh, CPU was about the price of an i5, lower end yeah. i5, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, and yeah, like a budget like, i5. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it, the way I see a lot of leaks, it seems like the way some people see them is the market is going to be exactly the same as it is now when this comes the, out. It's like they where, look at the current market and then they add this and go, that's crazy. And they don't think <laughs> every single little data point, and there's a hundred usually, is a moving target. And you've got to, as well as you can, try to adjust for all these moving data points. You know, it's like quantum mechanics. It's all of these things moving at once. That's impossible to know 100% what the end result is. But you can try to get to like a 90% accurate answer. And most people seem to just ignore the quantum mechanics and just go, we just changed this variable. And oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like with the whole thing with a PS5 or an Xbox One <laughs> uh, possible specs where it's... Oh, that's the just, best one. I, oh, this... This could be as strong as a 2080? That's impossible. So you're saying that a thing that's coming out two years after the 2080 comes out, you're saying it's unreasonable that that console could be more powerful. I mean, that's just in line with how that market Dan, if works. my 2080 isn't as powerful as the PS5, that means I have a small penis. And I need to see that bigger number, and if it isn't a bigger number a part of me dies yeah that's exactly <laughs> we should probably do a side we should bank a podcast of us just talking about like ranting about consoles like that i think i think <laughs> we could go for three hours honestly if i'm being like just if we just went from xbox and ps2 to the next gen we could probably there'd be so much to talk about i i mean if we start out with when i got my first own personal console the ps3 i could talk forever but <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to cut that off there because i almost went into it but i guess what i'm saying though is Look at these leaks from Intel. They're very realistic. Everything's a moving target. But the reason I wrote them off a month ago is because I know Zen 3 is coming. Look, first of all, these are coming out quarter one next year, the earliest. Now, if Intel could get this 10-core lineup out by... If they could paper launch it around Thanksgiving and you could actually buy them in December, that would actually be awesome. And I'll be honest, guys, if someone sent me that 10 core i9, guess who's using that instead of Threadripper? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be all over it. I'll take that for free. But if this sucker comes out like so, like I think it might in quarter two next year, by then AMD will actually be ready with a Zen 2 Plus refresh, probably. And that's why I thought Comet Lake was so stupid. And that's what I continue to think. All of this is plausible, but it's a moving target. By the time this is out, I don't think AMD is going to give a damn. I could be wrong, though. If they get it out early, and I could believe they might get it out by the end of quarter three, I would be, I'll be doing, I'll be doing Intel Pro Intel videos. You'll see. I know that hell will freeze over. Which I mean, based on how everything has been perceived with the past few months in the. Uh in this space, uh, Intel has to be worried. Like their rebuttal to the reveal of Ryzen three thousand was uh, essentially, oh, we got some better, uh, better IPC, you guys. I mean, 
Intel has to be worried right now. And you mean I wouldn't be surprised. They were basically like, hey, guys, we're going to have an 18% IPC increase to a quad core in a year. Yeah, I have to believe that Intel is worried right now. Oh, it's it's red alert right now. They're just so... And and again, by the time this comes out, if it's actually quarter 2 2020 when Intel gets this 10-core lineup out, it will be two quarters and then Zen 3 comes out. And then the rumor is that the re- that 2021 is just a refresh of the 10 core while Intel goes into hibernation. That's what my hibernation videos were about. And, and in 2021, I don't know, by 2021, 2022, Zen 4 comes out. And this might actually add a scheduling system that combines threads into one line of code. If that comes out while Intel's on 10 core, oh my god. It, it's going to be like a situation where you have on desktop 20 or 30 core 60 or not or uh 90 thread 100 watt cpus that can combine their threads into a (laughs) single line of code and leverage them to just run single core ipc against a 10 core at 5.3 gigahertz like if that (laughs) happens it's gonna be such a game over for one year hey that's when you sell your amd stock by the way for everyone wondering (laughs) Although, obviously, I'm not giving financial advice. This is for purely entertainment purposes. you got to listen to those guys that crash the stock market instead of me. Well, yeah, they give the best advice. Okay, so number three is just, have you watched any of me or Chris or Paul from Not an Apple Fan's recent videos about this whole NVIDIA pulling shenanigans stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I watched uh, Chris's and your video. Yeah, so... And and actually, I thought about it before we started talking about this. You know, let me just be very clear about what I'm talking about, because I actually got called out by it was uh, some channel on Twitter. Let me see. I could actually scroll scroll up. It doesn't matter who basically who de facto called out me and Chris and anyone else talking about this now saying smaller channels are calling out NVIDIA, you know. I'm basically saying that we're making stuff up. So there are screenshots of emails exchanged between NVIDIA's marketing and some very large tech websites and channels where they're basically agreeing to not mention certain AMD features and promising to mention some of NVIDIA's features. Again, we can't say who because if we did, we would give away the source who was willing to say, by the way, this is going on. My hands are tied, but I want you guys to know. To those that say, this is not for click. Well, it is for clicks, right? I mean, I want views, (laughs) but this is not made up. This is there. We have the proof. And what I told Chris, we had a long discussion before I made my video, and then his came out, I believe, like 30 minutes after mine. And I said, look, I'm doing a video talking about this, but I'm going to be as nice as I can to other channels as possible. And and because I don't believe in throwing poop at all, frankly, as little as you can throw. And I also didn't want to get too hardcore about it unless I was willing to share the info. So I said, I'm going to do that. But I have a day job. I don't have a time to put together a 10-page article or piece about what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, and if we're looking at NVIDIA's past dealings, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that uh, NVIDIA would do something like this. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Gameworks is an example. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's them doing shady shit to get ahead. 
You know, and I and I actually want to touch on something too to almost be kind of, you know, like fair and balanced about this as much as I hate that term, but Jim at Adore TV, a lot of people know he's been taking it seems like AMD marketing may have used him. I'm not going to get into it into detail because I don't think he wants to make a big deal out of it. And I don't think you know about that, Dan, but I'll talk you know, off mic about it as much as you want. But okay. AMD marketing basically used Jim to make Zen and Navi look as good as it could before it came out. And all I got to say is um, I wouldn't take anything any of these companies say or ask us to do as gospel. They are businesses. AMD is also a business. Intel is also <laughs> a business. They want to make as much money as profitable. And I believe AMD is one of those businesses that thinks they'll make more money if they're more on the straight and narrow. They've been wrong about that, frankly. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, But it's a choice. They're choosing to be this way. And you shouldn't trust any of them, nor should you just get mad at anyone who says they're doing shady stuff if they are and i just mentioned amd on purpose just to make it clear that i will call them out when they're doing stuff like this is stuff that goes on do not just ignore it when other people bring it up like we're just being click baity yeah i mean and i don't know i think uh chris's video he had a really good quote where he was just talking about being accused of uh being a what is it a consumer justice warrior which is the most hilarious term I've ever heard. Kind of is a like, consumer justice warrior, which I've gotten into arguments with him about it before because of that, actually. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he, he wants what's best for the consumer. Exactly. Yeah, it's, he really, it's like, really does. He, and I actually don't. I just like talking about this stuff. And I'll just say, hey, guys, AMD or NVIDIA is pulling some bullshit. That's what's happening. This is going to be good or bad for their stock price. And I just talk about it and I'm smiling the whole time. I think some people think I'm rooting for the companies. I'm not. I'm just, I enjoy talking about it. I'm not, there's nothing I can do, guys. I don't work for AMD or NVIDIA. Yeah. Don't get, don't, don't um, misunderstand me smiling. I'm just happy to talk about this stuff, but it doesn't mean I think it's good. Yeah. And I just brought up that quote just because, like, it, if there's evidence that uh, NVIDIA is doing stuff like this, it's you need to know that. So you know that there's a chance that some of the people that you listen to are either being paid by a NVIDIA or there's some quid pro quo thing going on where like what happened to who was it? Um, uh, why can't I hardware Unboxed, where he got excommunicated by NVIDIA for criticizing yeah. them? And he continues to do it more and more because he has nothing to lose. <laughs> Maybe it's good for his channel. You know, he's not as big as Gamers Nexus, though. Gamers Nexus passed him and flew right past, you know, flew right past him. But it's like, you know what, though? I don't know. I, I Once you're at that subscriber level, I don't know what their income's like. But I just, how sustainable can it be? Because I look at a lot of these tech websites and they get these boosts from partnering with these companies. But it always falls apart eventually. I really, you got to think about if it's worth it. You know, especially if you have over 100,000 subscribers. Do you not have the money to buy every other card release or something on your own? I just don't get it. And frankly, people will share cards with you. Um, all now, I have a, I'm supposedly going to receive a 5700 XT, by the way. Mm. Um, and it's going to be sent to me by Chris, and it was sent to him by another channel. Like, <laughs> you don't have to be held as a slave by these giant companies. You just don't. <laughs> and by the way, it backfires sometimes. I really want to... I believe it was Origin PC, which is a, a custom PC 
building website where you know you configure a pc and they build it for you and like test it and send it to you and then support it with a warranty they released i remember this was hilarious this was a few years ago i think it was during the 290x era they out of nowhere just released some giant press statement where they said we're no longer offering amd graphics cards in our desktops yeah i remember and, that yeah <laughs> and they because they're too hot and too loud and their drivers aren't good enough and within a month, they openly said they regret that and they're offering AMD again. And the inside baseball on that one is, this is what happened. NVIDIA said, look, 90% of your sales are NVIDIA. If you offer only NVIDIA, we'll offer you a 10% discount on everything you're selling. <laughs> and they said, done. And they said, but we want you to do this. And they almost didn't do it because they could tell this was like real stingy stuff going on. But they said, eh, we made the deal. So they made that announcement. And then within a week, I believe other OEMs told them, by the way, they offer that discount if you ask for it to anyone. <laughs> I, I, I had forgotten about that whole story. I forgot how preposterous the end to that story was. <laughs> I know. And so they were just like double idiots. Yeah. Like they were too dumb to ask for the better prices and they were they let Nvidia use them. Like, yeah, so I will never buy from Origin PC by the way. It just tells you the people's level of intelligence who runs that place. But let, I will move on then to number 4. So, this was the 5950 XT incoming 5700, you know. So, think about that, Dan. We have the 5700 and 5700 XT. So that what it sounds like we're going to get is a 5800 XT, 5900 XT, and eventually 5950, 5850, and then so on. The, the 5700 XT is only halfway up the product stack. Which, yeah, that was that was my immediate thought uh, when I was uh, watching that uh, Computex conference. Uh, it's a it's a seven. That's always where the mid range is, or low yeah. high end, depending on how you classify it. Like, uh, even if this was, like, by the old naming scheme, like, this is the equivalent of 5700 XT, so there's no 70 in there. It's not a 7870 or, like, this is the 7 level from the 7000 series or the 570. So it goes 570, 580, 590, Vega 56, Vega 64, Radeon 7. <laughs> We've got a long ways to go to the top, people. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess it's more of a matter of when they release the rest of their lineup. <laughs> and for those wondering, I just finished the script on a big video I will release this week <laughs> that talks about absolutely all of that. And there is a good interview that happened with AMD's VP of Radeon Marketing, who's the guy who retweeted me, actually, which is a complete coincidence that happened <laughs> within the same day, by the way. Complete coincidence. I built an article around an interview, and then a day later, the guy messages me. But, like, yeah, that... um he basically made it clear. You could see him almost laughing when he was asked by, I believe it was Computer Base. It was a very good interview. They asked him, so we noticed that this only has 40 compute units and that the GCN64 compute unit uh, limit is probably gone now, right? And he just goes, one could infer that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then they just ask him. So what I was thinking is everyone's freaking out about this $450, 5700 XT. And I'm just thinking, do you guys realize they're going for the crown? And then he just like grins and like literally like, like me and Dan are looking at each other right now. Dan, he just goes, you could expect a full launch top to bottom. 
very Which, soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Go and on. he just stopped, and then the interviewer just started laughing. Like, that is the most... He just confirmed to all those wondering, if you read between the lines, there's not much reading required there, that they're going for Titan RTX, guys. They're going for Titan RTX in under a year. Yeah, I mean, and going back to that previous video you talked about where, oh, RDNA actually might be a new architecture now. And, I mean, if they're breaking the 64 compute unit limit, <laughs> yeah, what it, it, it is Who, now. They, I would say they could go all the way up to 96, but I think 80 is where I would put money on, personally. I... <laughs> I have no clue where that where they could go with this. And, and I think they'll use HBM again, and I've talked about this. I wasn't sure if they would go with HBM before, but uh, no. Now that we have $1,200 2080 Ti's, like the HBM added like $100 overall to the cost of the card. Maybe 200 for Radeon 7 by the time it comes out, probably 150 Okay, 150 is a lot to add if you're trying to make a Vega 64 look good relative to the 1080 Ti. That's a problem. But if you're competing with $1,200 2080 Ti's, pfft, 150 is nothing. Like, just throw it on top and give yourself another 20, you know, 30% efficiency boost and 10% performance boost. Why not? Like, so I think it's coming. You're going to get that 4096-bit 80 compute unit, 500-millimeter squared, 7-nanometer card. And there's no reason with further architectural enhancements which it will have that it won't crush titan rtx and i look guys i think this could paper launch end of the year i think it could be a new 7970 moment and i think nvidia will be forced to get to seven nanometer on samsung as soon as they can unlike the 7970 i don't think they'll be able to launch anything besides like a titan ampere which will be three thousand dollars <laughs> like i don't think they'll be able to launch anything until the end of 2020 Let me put it this way. I don't think they'll be able to have a full lineup till the end of 2020. And that gives AMD a huge opening. And I just, I'm waiting for these surprised faces. Like, whoa, AMD came out of nowhere and took the crown. And it's like, guys, they've done this like five times in my lifetime. They can do it whatever (laughs) they want to. It's just never been worth it until now. Now they have a new architecture. It's worth to go for the crown. What do you think? Do you think there's a good chance that this comes out before the end of 2020 or... Because my thought what would, comes out the uh, sorry the the rest or some of AMD's uh, line. I think it could come out by the end of 2019. Yeah, which th- that's my thought is I I feel like it should just based on the whole naming scheme, but I don't know given the and based on number five. If you look at number five here, the Radeon Seven is end of life, right? They just end-of-life Radeon 7. That doesn't mean they're going to stop making Vega. They will keep making Vega for professional customers. But the fact that they're ending the life of Radeon 7 means they plan to have something out within a month of Radeon 7 being out of stock, which would probably be quarter four. Yes, October. They'll probably start (laughs) releasing news. And and if you ask me, I think the 5800 and 5800 XT are going to be – I'm not actually sure – those might still be 256-bit, but it might be 384-bit. And then I think the 5900, I'm not really sure if they're going to have that right away. And then, the, yeah, the 5900 will be, and 5900 XT will be HBM-powered. Like, I think that leak that Jim got wasn't inaccurate. I just think they kind of misled him with how well it was going, or I don't know. Uh, I think yeah. that they plan on having the top compute unit level I think they're going to add like 50%. I think they're going to go to like 64 compute units, 384 bit. And that's going to be like, you know, this is just my guess, like 550 and 700. 
but it'll be you know 12 gig maybe or maybe yeah like maybe like five, yeah no like 550 and 650 or something and that'll be the 5800 5800 XT and yeah those will be really really powerful like 40 you know 30 and 40% for like 30 and 45% stronger than Navi right now like these are your cards that just come like just short of the 2080 Ti for a little more than half the money and have a little more RAM. That's pretty much standard for what they've been doing. And then I think they'll have something with just like, you know, 20% more compute units, but it will have HBM. And I think that's your $750 and $1,000. I think they will go for the $1,000 mark because why not if they can crush Titan RTX? Well, yeah, and if AMD is truly becoming the price performance king at this point, and they're also theoretically able to go to, I don't know, 80 or 96 compute units. Well, then they have the at least the potential to go for the performance crown at this point in time. So I, I guess we'll see what happens, how the rest of this year shakes out. But who knows? Maybe they'll start going for the $1,000 price point, too. I think they should. I mean, if they, well, again, and, and this is all conjecture. We don't know if this is how it will pan out. But if AMD, like right now, 40 compute units, 256-bit is competing with the 2070, uh, you know, the next level would be 550, 384-bit, I think. And I think it would make sense to have a high-end card that still uses GDR6 so they can get really down and dirty with price performance if they need to. So, yeah, I mean, probably something with, and it might not be 64 compute units, it might be 60, actually. So let's say they go to 60 compute. Actually, that make a lot more sense. They have a 60 compute unit version, and then they cut one down to like, I think the rumor was 52, right? So they cut it down by 20%, use slower GDR6. Like, that's a $550 card for the cut down one that crushes the 2080 Super. And then for probably, I don't know, maybe they'll go for 700, but I think 650 is the where you go to it. You have a $650 card that's 12 gigabyte, not 11, not 11 gigabyte, 12 gigabyte, that is like within 10% of the 2080 Ti. And that will be your 4K gaming overlord. And then, you know, it just, it just makes sense to use HBM. And if you're already at 650 by now, um yeah you go to like actually i go to 800 and 1000 and these are cards that one of the the cut down version crushes the 2080 ti and the top version probably well yeah will crush the well at least beat the titan rtx <laughs> but yeah so that's my thought process yeah and that will bring us perfectly to this next question by Siren Singer. Again, on Reader Mail, if you support me on Patreon, you can ask these questions. He says, I'm still baffled by AMD's reference designs compared to NVIDIA. Do you think it has a significant impact on their sales since it's the reference designs that get reviewed? The 5700 XT seems to have a clear handicap due to its blower cooler and fan curve, and it doesn't look nearly as good either. Why do you think AMD is still going for these blower style coolers um and let me actually so let me before we i mean well you answer that dan what do you think i mean i'm not 100 percent sure to be honest how much less effective are these blower coolers really so and here's what i'm getting to i'm on new egg they're still selling well i don't know what their stock is but they're selling well with the blower cooler 
And it's because they offer good price performance at launch. And this reminds me of the RX 480, where it's like, why do they launch with that horrible cooler, you know? Which it was. It was a cheap, non-vapor chamber cooler blower fan. It, it was cheap. But it was 240, and it was an 8-gigabyte card that was in between the, like you know, that was the 2060, the 1060 wasn't out yet. So what was it even competing with? It crushes the 970 while having over double the RAM and costing less. Like, <laughs> why? That's why. I think that's why, is AMD keeps making the decision that it doesn't really matter because at launch, they offer better price performance. So they might as well make some extra profit due to the yeah. better price and, performance. And then the AIBs come in one to two months later to offer the better cooled cards. And or if it's the 290X, fucking way too long. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that, but it took <laughs> yeah. like eight months. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, especially because that card's blower cooler actually was horrible. Yeah. Uh, so, and I know because I had them out of mining rigs recently. <laughs> yeah, they're loud, Dan, by the way. They're yeah, louder I, than Vega. They're louder than... I was, they're as loud as a 480. I was in your house. They are loud. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so... And, and I guess what so what I just did again to be clear is explain why AMD does it. But I want to be clear: I don't agree with them. I just told you why they do it. I don't think they should do it. I think that and I and the blower cooler they use on the fifty seven hundred non XT isn't badly reviewed. It's basically a Vega cooler they used, which the Vega cooler is very good. By the way, you you agree you have a Vega fifty six, so you agree the cooler doesn't feel cheap, does it? Oh. Uh. No, it doesn't. For Wattman idiotically, for some reason, defaults at what like I, some ridiculously low fan setting. But other than well, that, well, that's on purpose, Dan. That's <laughs> why they do it. It's not loud. That's my problem. I've always had when people complain about Vega. It's like it's so loud. It's like only if you manually yeah. turn up the fans. <laughs> if you crank really quiet at stock, if you crank it to a hundred percent, it's loud. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, Vega fifty six and sixty four are pretty quiet they're not perfectly quiet but honestly it's like ah get a life i don't know what you're complaining about at a certain point but yeah i mean and th there are people though that want it completely silent i know jim at adored is like that and then it's like well yeah then wait for your triple slot triple fan ridiculous cards because that's what it takes to cool a 300 watt card and not be loud it takes a lot of effort and they put that cooler on the 5700 non-XT, and no one complained because now you have a, a cooler meant to cool like 290 watts that they put on a 180-watt card, and it was fine. But I do not know. I do not know why they continue to put blower fans on things above 200 watts. Like I think the 7970 was 210 watts, and I think me and you agree it was okay, but a little loud. It was okay. Yeah. Anything above 210... I, I can't tell you why, people. I don't think they should. I don't. And to be honest, when I saw the Radeon 7, I was like, all right, so they're done with being stupid, too. <laughs> and then they weren't. It's like, again, below 200 watts, blower fans are fine because they, and this is a big deal, actually, is OEMs don't like to have good cooling because they're cheap and stupid. So if you're selling graphics cards to Dell or HP, they have like two fans on their case. They don't want that card shooting heat into the case. And so they like blower fans. So they need to offer that. But if you're above 200 watts, I think it's just worth it to tell HP, put another goddamn fan <laughs> on your stupid case, you idiots. Like, 
And I don't know why AMD isn't doing that. I really thought that the top Navi card would be a two fan version of like what the Radeon 7 cooler looks like. Which and I guess they hit it with a pipe and gave you a blower cooler. Which I guess for the top Navi. Do you get the joke? Hit it with a pipe. There's like a curve in the shroud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I guess maybe we'll see if they do go for a smarter design with the uh, higher end uh, Navis that will come out sometime. I I I can only hope this is the last time they do it like it's honestly honestly amd do yourself a favor if it's below 180 watts or even 200 i get it if it's good price performance but if it's above that you're never going to make the play for premium by keeping these coolers on there and to be fair i don't mind the noise and i kind of like blower coolers because they shoot the air out the back and it keeps my other components cooler. I actually kind of like blower coolers, but most people aren't me. And you just got to read the room, dude. Read the room. <laughs> Get rid of these blower coolers on anything above like 180 watts. All right. Now let's move on to number six here. So the new, and this is going to be a quick one, but the new NVIDIA Shield will support Google Stadia. Right, what do you think about that? Woo! Uh I don't know. Yeah, I know. You're a big NVIDIA Stadia boy. <laughs> I'm a giant giant stadia head guys uh, <laughs> uh yeah i don't uh, he's not for those oh wondering. yes no one, some people don't have sarcasm we Sorry, gotta be I, careful i don't change my affect when i'm sarcastic um, nope and that's what makes it fun you gotta guess <laughs> uh I, I don't get the point of this i mean i'm looking at the controller design it looks like a less ergonomic xbox <laughs> controller i know but that stabs your hand. You're for talking some about reason. the shield, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the Stadia. I think Stadia con- looks just literally like an Xbox controller. High P- it has the analogs horizontal, you can, like, though, right? If you like look at the buttons, you can like feel that they're tacky and unresponsive. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. They just don't look very high quality to me. But yeah, <laughs> I guess I just find this interesting because Nvidia was announcing. If you'll remember, one one of my big, most popular videos in the early days was my Stadia analysis. And one day before Stadia, Nvidia was talking about like Nvidia Grid and like their streaming service. And so now they're going to allow Stadia on the Shield, huh? White flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess you might be right. Which about they that. should, by the way. They should wave a white flag. They have no, f- I'm a- no fucking chance of competing with Google. No fucking chance. I think actually PlayStation and Xbox streaming might have a chance, but there is no well, chance Nvidia will have a service that competes with Google's. Well, well, yeah, and I mean, if we look at what Google has been doing for the past decade, two decades maybe, they've almost been slowly setting up the infrastructure. To where this yeah. sta- stadia might might be plausible. I'm still not it convinced. Might be plausible. Yeah. I, at least I'm still not convinced that it will be good in the next five years. And within the next five years, maybe five that, years from that's now. That's what I would say too. Well, and honestly, I think you know I was actually pretty bullish on stadia. Like very outspoken that I think people are underestimating it. But when I saw they they're gonna make you tra- pay like hundred eighty dollars for the console, which is useless, honestly, and then also pay like a monthly fee, I was like, no, this isn't what I meant though. I thought you guys, but I think the free version's coming. 
I think they're charging premium prices because PC prices are so high and the next gen isn't here. So they're just like, let's milk people for one year. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I guess. So this is for people that can spend the money that want the new thing early. But it's it uh, is also 4K 60 hertz HDR <laughs> gaming with no fame frame dips. This is better than your 2080 for it's, 180 plus what? I don't know, $12 a month or something. Like, if you live in a place that can use it, this is better than building a gaming PC. At least I think that's what they're thinking. I'm not saying I agree. But it's also a somewhat weird proposition. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're going essentially for... Because... Yeah. I I don't know. To me, it seems like... I really think it's temporary. I really do not think this is their big grand plan. If it is, I will just... Okay, wow. That was it, huh? Because to me, Stadia seems like a, it seems like the budget option. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, but offering some premium box thing seems like a weird thing for the budget option to me. So yeah, I mean, I think you're right. They're probably going to do something because I, well, I, I, I don't see why this, I, actually, why you I might find this a funny comparison. Yeah, so I think there's two options here. Either it's what I just said, they will just milk the market for a year, and then eventually there will be a free version where you just get to play in 720p. Any of the games on there basically is an ad for Assassin's Creed. Like, And I think that's an awesome idea. I haven't played the new Assassin's Creed, so they make it pop up. You want to play this in 720p for free and decide if you want to, you know, and they just click yes, and I'm playing right away, and then I buy it on my PS4, or I guess by then PS5 or something. <laughs> and if that's their plan, I think this will take off. But I just thought of this right now. There's a chance this is Xbox Connect all over again, where I was crazy bullish on Xbox Connect, and then the biggest app they had was bouncing a fucking red ball in front of well, the camera. And bouncing a red ball with a half second delay. <laughs> yeah, and I just remember, okay, yeah, if you can make a bunch of karate games, shooting games, even if there's a delay, this is a really cool idea, just not needing a controller. And then their response was, uh, we trust this so little we're going to make a... Uh, what was it, that Roman game, not even a Kinect game anymore, and it's just going to be a horrible controller game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rise? Pretty, yeah, Rise, Rome. Sign of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was... Uh, I, I don't know. I guess... <laughs> I, so the follow-through from Microsoft on Kinect was horrible, but the idea was great. Yeah, and I guess my whole thing is... When I see some huge thing like this is going to change how gaming works, my thought is always, is it? It's when an idea is out there, it, I, when I, when an idea is really out there, like outside of the mainstream, there's a good chance that there's a little bit of bullshit to it. And I feel like that's what Stadia will end up being. I don't know though. Maybe I'm completely wrong. All right, so number seven, NVIDIA, at least how I framed it, is this is a direct response to AMD's low latency stuff, which has been very well received. For those who don't know, AMD now has technology that lowers latency. Like, you know, another, honestly, I I think they removed like 10 or 20% latency in the past two years of drivers. At this point, I think it's as small as like they did another 5%. NVIDIA joins Tencent Esports Technology Alliance as a founding partner uh, what do you think about this well i mean the article reads like some 
I don't know, weird translated tr- press release, which I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But the, Yeah, the, it is from Tech Power Up, so what do you expect? The, <laughs> the phrasing is just like, <laughs> NVIDIA G-Sync are the choice of many international lighthouses esports up. <laughs> Anyways, what I was trying... Anyways, what I was... Hey, Day, this is the state of tech journalism. This is like a grade A article at this point. <laughs> Anyways, though, what I was trying to say with that is... So, correct me if I'm wrong here, but them peddling the G-Sync... G-Sync would theoretically increase latency, wouldn't it? It does, because okay. there's a DRM module. It's very small. Linus Tech Tips ta- tested this. Theoretically, the best thing to use, actually, though, is no freezing. Well, yeah. You should not be using any of it. Well, yeah, them, if but... you don't want latency, you should... If you want... Which I might not. I still don't, by the way. <laughs> and I notice the difference. I, I notice it. I know some don't. If you want no latency, which for me, there's some things where the improvement of vis- uh, visual quality, it's worth a, a little bit of extra latency potentially but like adding an entire drm post-processing bullshit module that's going to increase latency and it's just this this press release is just like the superior like the superior choice for lower latency like yeah that it seems like they're clearly trying to undercut amd at least to some extent by joining if, this. yeah if they can get into a bunch of founding positions at these esports whatever's like that's how you kind of try to box out amd but it's gonna happen you're gonna have some professional gamer win some tournaments using i don't know uh probably honestly the theoretically the best gaming card for professional or i'm sorry for like competition would be an hbm because hbm quite literally has a fourth the latency of gdr it, it is there it's very hard to measure and see as a human, um, but it's there, and you can feel it. So if you had an HBM Navi card with the newest drivers, that's probably what's going to be the best thing. And it will it, that extra one-hundredth of a second when you have a bunch of people that are all good at Counter-Strike, that can easily be the difference. That's like in gun competitions where it's like this gun holds 20 rounds, that one holds 18, reloads a little faster. That's what it takes. Everyone here is good at shooting guns, right? Or, like, or <laughs> that little or like bit. yeah, with StarCraft, where what is it? Some of the some of the top players in StarCraft esports have like a average key press of like what is it like something like thirty key presses a second? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, like quite literally everything they do is a hotkey. They have a they have a uh, a spe- <laughs> they have like a special keyboard they c- bring out and they're just like click, 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 and they're just like moving everything where it needs to go and they've min max literally every button press. If that's something you do, would you not take like a five percent latency advantage? I mean, come on. I mean, I would say I I think you would. I don't watch esports, <laughs> so <laughs> that is the perspective I'm coming from. But it seems like additional latency is very bad and amd is objectively lower latency at this point and as much as i recommend 4k a lot again it's almost like amd right i keep recommending 4k and amd but let's be very clear i still use a 1080p 144 hertz monitor with no free sync turned on because i do notice the difference i'm one of those people that it is immediately noticeable to me when you add a millisecond of latency. Well, it, well it really I is. remember uh, one time playing, uh, I think it was Battlefield 1 on your 
on your on, PC on, on my min-max rig. And let's be clear, it's not just the monitor. I've overclocked the cache. I've overclocked the um, communication protocol on the motherboard. I literally overclocked everything that could help with latency. And I've even clocked the CPU lower to get more stability. It's all about latency for me. So you use my rig. Yeah, and it, it was just is like... It, is it noticeable if someone goes for it? Yeah, there, there's that... Um... <laughs> Uh, that this might be too big of a digression, but there's this like experiment where if you ha- press a button and then have a second of latency, people will associate, people will mentally cut out that latency, uh, and then if you r- remove all latency, uh. people think that the whatever thing it's triggering happens before they're do- actually inputting it. And for me, it was yeah. almost like, why is everything moving so fast when I was using a system? <laughs> yeah, and that's something when I finally got done overclock building this system and overclocking it, I would open folders and it felt like the folder was opening before I clicked it. But it's not. Your eyes are actually just perfectly synced now with your actions, which you're not used to. And so, again, just so everyone knows, I still game in 1080p, and I did not buy a 4K TV that was HDR until I could get one with zero latency. And I notice it. I really notice it. <laughs> Number eight. So the insane epic advantage in price performance and efficiency. It's honestly, I sent Dan a link. It's 64 cores for $5,000. I happen to know that Intel charges a 10 grand for 28 cores. Like, what is your reaction to seeing? Because most people ignore this. This is the price lineup for servers where all the money's made. What do you think? Well, yeah, for servers, and I guess servers are very much likely the big money maker, but research, and it's just, they're, if they're lower energy and more and faster and cheaper, it's just, yeah, the only reason you would go with Intel as a server, as a Ser- someone that maintains servers is uh they're giving it to you like that's the only real reason you wouldn't which they might sometimes yeah, and i'm sure they will like customer loyalty in these situations is a big thing and a short-term loss is worth does lead to long-term gain gain sometime but anyone that's looking actively to get new cpus yeah epic is clearly the way to go if you're talking about these well, there's. I wasn't it the Cray supercomputer. It's going to use Epic that just came out a couple months ago. You know, so that's the most powerful supercomputer on earth, and they're using Epic. And by the way, people, they're not using Epic because of the 32 cores that are out now. They're using it because once they use these 32 cores, they have a Zen 2 upgrade and a Zen 3 upgrade rating. And again, Zen 3 might be 80 cores, 320 bits. <laughs> <laughs> It's so dumb. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if <laughs> it, the price performance really shows once you get to the levels of Epic, just because AMD is, is quickly turning the uh, idea of uh, quote unquote duct taping chips together a science. They're getting very good at it. And that's obviously where the being good at that, that would shine the most is something like uh, putting four dies together like they do in Epic. 
Yeah, and I guess this is where I'll give this big speech again that I've talked about. Um, I want to be clear. My opinion is this about how Ryzen's... Uh, you have to understand, people. AMD is a company a tenth the size of Intel. And then they also compete with NVIDIA that's the same size. NVIDIA is four times as powerful competing with Radeon. And then you have like half the company that's at most, again, at most, that's competing with Intel. And this is like a twentieth the power. So they have to pick their battles. That's why they're not going for everything at once. That's why you don't have these Navi Zen 2 APUs out already. If it was Intel, they would be, but they don't have the resources to do that. But they have a plan, and they're going step by step. Ryzen 1000. Here we are. We are now back in every sector, and we have basically almost crushed the HEDT market. 16-core Threadripper just was a joke. And then Zen Plus came out. Okay, now we're tying Intel and sales on on do-it-yourself desktops, and we're getting some server contracts. And more importantly, HEDT is done. HEDT is just done with 32 cores Zen Plus. Now we're to Zen 2. What happens? Okay, now desktop is almost done just like threadripper one was almost done with their hedt now desktop is almost done server is done hedt is done server is done desktop is almost done and then we're going to move to zen 3 and that's when we'll finally get into all of it's done but laptop and now laptops <laughs> almost done and zen 4 is the singularity now, i'm not going to talk about it yet i'm thinking about doing a whispers of zen 4 let's just put it this way Zen 4 is probably as big as Zen 3 and Zen 2 are. And what I suspect they're doing with Zen 4, it would be such a decimation event. It would make Zen 3 look like Zen Plus. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but nothing on that just yet. Any other last thoughts about what's going on in server? Um, No. <laughs> I mean, we got 225-watt, 64-core Epic. Versus 400 watt, 56 core Intel. <laughs> I just don't know what else to say. It's so bad. Uh, and this brings us to the final link. Hey, DisplayPort 2.0, damn. 80 gigabit per second, 16K HDR 60 hertz, 8K HDR 240 hertz, just in time for me to buy that monitor for 400 next year. Hell yeah. We did it. We're here. DisplayPort's ready. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that, there's not much I have to say about it. It's just, it's exciting that the tech to implement 8K is finally here, I guess. Eight, and 8K 240 hertz, right? Not just 8K. Yep. And like 16K 60 hertz, which 16K is going to be... And the way people talk about 4K, I think, is bullshit. Like, you can't even notice the difference. <laughs> it's barely noticeable. But I think 16K will be what people talk about 4K now, and it'll be justified. It's like 16K, does it look better? Yes, like 10%. It's also 10 times the expense. That's what 16K is going to be. But this can handle that. This can handle ludicrously stupid people's objectives. Which, and that's why I'm just excited where they Yeah, and I thought that was funny. Like, you saying, you can't even... Yeah, like, this is getting so stupid. Like, uh, the, the laptop I just got, which I'll review soon, is an NV13. It has a 4K IPS la like screen. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's actually cheaper than its Dell competition with a 1080p screen. Like, I, I don't know. It's just I have 4K on my laptop. I, I guess I don't know where I think the line will be drawn. It's just 
Well, let's put it this way. It's very hard to notice 240 hertz. I've looked at those monitors. The difference between 140, this is how I put it. The difference between 40 hertz, so 40 hertz, just 40 frames a second, and 60 feels the same as 60 to 144. Now, that sounds like I'm downplaying it, but come on. Anyone who does a lot of gaming, the difference between 40 frames a second and 60 feels huge. So going from 60 to 144 is huge, but it's not world-ending, but it's huge. Well, and I think also a big part of that is just the fact that um, the way animations work at this point is the animation might not be sampling fast enough for it to, that no, to be made. No, in some games it's yeah. not. And Battlefield is, and it looks absolutely insanely good. Yeah, and that's another big thing that we need to realize is the tech of how fast you can actually animate these movements yeah. is also important. There will still be games locked to 60 hertz. You know, Demon Souls 5 will be locked <laughs> to 60 hertz because, you know, that's just what From Software does, I guess. But, and that'll be fine for that game, but there, I feel like 480 is the difference. And when I say 480, it's not that I'm like, just, oh, I want more. It's like, no, honestly, I think to go from 60 to 144 to get that noticeable a difference, I think you actually need to go from 144 to 480. That's what I'm saying, is that there's no point in going higher than, there's very little point in going higher than 144 when it takes so much more processing power unless you can just lock it at 480 because at that level i bet it looks insane that's about half of what the human eye can see shadows the human eye can see changes in light at a thousand frames a second so technically that's the apex the apex would really be 16k 1000 hertz but I think 8K 480 would be close enough where it would be almost impossible to tell the and, difference. And to be clear. And, the, and it would cost a hundredth as much and, money. And to be clear, like there really isn't any good analog for the way your eye sees things. So fra- frames, it's a, it's a stand. Frame rate is a stand-in is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's converting humans to robots, which we'll probably do before that even comes out. But um like if you think about it the like really what what I'm saying is uh there are some people that have 2000 that that were able to see the difference at 2000 hertz and there will be plenty of people that no matter how good you make it can't see it at 500 but the average is 1000 that's what yeah. I'm saying <laughs> I think we've <laughs> digressed far enough with that this but Oh, yeah. Most of that was pretty yeah. good, though. All right. So the I only had nine stories. The rest of this is just questions, which I think is good because we I knew the stories we would talk about for a long time, which we did. So Paul says, <laughs> says you have said that you are waiting for the Threadripper talking to me, Tom, of this generation. Do you feel or hear that there's still room uh, for something between the 3950X and Epic Rome, what are your expectations? So in general, this is a question. What are my expectations for Threadripper? The current rumors, and I've been all over the place on this, so this is a good question for me. I basically said it's not coming this year. I said it was, then it wasn't, and now I'm saying it is again. I really think AMD wasn't sure if they should even bother because they have PCIe 4.0, they, which is double. like That's the equivalent of 64 lanes. I'm sorry, 32 lanes of PCIe 3.0 on X570, and they have a 16 core. This is as good as their 16 core, and it'll probably beat their 32 core at most applications. So AMD, I guarantee you, was like, is there a point? Point in updating Threadripper till next year. Honestly, is there a point? And 
And that's also because Zen 3 is probably going to be a giant server upgrade. So why not just wait for that? But I suspect that they're delaying Zen 3 slightly to make sure it's 100% ready. And so that they can really make Zen 2 satisfying. And I do think it's coming again. And the rumor is they're bringing 64 core Threadripper. And if they can, why not? I somewhat agree. Every generation, double the core count on Threadripper. Why not? So that's what it sounds <laughs> like they're doing. I won't be buying that. Um, yep. And I would say the highest core count I will buy in the next year is 32. But if the price was right, and what do I mean? If it was $1,500 for 32 cores and it was 5 gigahertz and good at gaming, I would consider a 32 core just because of how insanely fun that would be. But after that, I there's no way I'm getting above 32, right? Unless they basically are giving away cores at that point. Then I guess I'll take 48. But 64 literally has problems running in Windows without errors. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't know what to do. And so to address, like, is there still room uh, between the 3950X and Epic Rome? Where, um, I, yes. I, 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 and they're kind of meant to serve different purposes, though, aren't they? So... Even if there's a little bit of crossover in power, that would be expected almost. I, I'm not sure if I'm. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, and correctly. that's kind of like Zen Plus, yeah. right? The the 12 nanometer 3990x or no 2990x. That 32 core was not. Although on Linux it had very little performance issues. That's just a Windows scheduling issue that continues to this day. But it's not as good at gaming as the 16 core and 8 core. 20, you know, the 2700X, the 2950X are better at gaming than the 32 core because of how they've organized it. And I suspect that'll be true as well with this one. Look, the 64 core is going to probably keep quad channel memory. People keep saying, why the hell wouldn't they go to 8 channel? Because uh, buy Epic, you fucking lazy sack. <laughs> That's why. Like, why the hell would they bring that? Like honestly, they need it, but they're already there's already some applications where that Threadripper is going to triple the performance of the Intel counterparts. There's no point. That's fine. And I want to be clear: if I got the 32 core, I would just turn off hyperthreading, so I don't have any errors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, here's my point, though, when it comes to gaming with Threadripper this time around. If you look at Ryzen 1000, and a lot of people forget this. The gaming performance was a solid 20% worse than the 1800X. Do you remember that, Dan? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot worse, and people just forget that. I, I, honestly, games are doing a better job of utilizing the cores, so it actually doesn't show up as much anymore. But go to launch day reviews for Ryzen 1000. It really, really did perform like 20% worse. And then Zen Plus came out, and they did those latency tweaks. And, well, it it surfaces like a 5 to 7% IPC boost for 8-core Ryzen. On Threadripper, it was like 10 15% in gaming. Like, if you look it up right now, the 2950X games as well as the 2700X, even though it is using these segmented core structure. And granted, it's clocked like, five percent like not even i guess a few percent higher but it basically made up that deficit at this point what i'm saying is i think zen 2 will completely make up for the performance deficit in other words i think they'll have a 12 core i'm sorry a 24 core at like 1200 dollars that's clocked slightly higher than the 3950x 
I think that will be just better at gaming now. And you can get that 24 core and turn off hyper threading. And it will be a gaming monster at 5 gigahertz. That's what I think. And honestly, you could even do something dumb that I've seen Intel <laughs> fanboys do. I saw this one Intel fanboy on WCCF buy an 18 core. And Intel lets you overclock per core. So I'm wondering if you can guessing what he did. He literally took an 18 core, found out which of his like, <laughs> 10 cores were the most efficient, and turned off the other eight cores and just has like a 10 core at 5 gigahertz Beautiful. already. <laughs> yes, if you want to waste $2,000, I go for it. And that's what I'm guessing you'll be able to do with Threadripper. You'll be able to buy this 24 core, I don't know, disable one core per thread, I mean per island. Well, it's actually organized differently per CCX. And so you'll have 777, right? So yeah. now, yeah. So I guess you'll get to like 16 cores. Oh, no. Wait, it be 20 cores? No, wait. No, there's actually eight chiplets. Oh, I sound like an <laughs> idiot. There's actually eight. So you'd have to disable eight cores. So, yeah, I was right, but I explained it wrong. You'll get to 16 cores with the least, of, you know, like one of the inefficient cores disabled per island. And maybe you'll just get that 5.1 gigahertz 16 core everyone's wanted. And now it's using triple or quad channel memory. Yeah. I think that's what you might expect from uh, Threadripper. But I don't know for sure. Look, I really think they're going to take substantial server market share, more than anyone expects. So I don't know how many of the non-peasant samples they're going to give us down here. We'll have to see. Um, which actually brings me to Mahalman's, uh, <laughs> which I think I'm still saying that wrong. Uh, M-A-O-I-L-M-H-I-N. Guys, look, just here's my opinion. If if you if you have a here's, complicated name, don't be mad when Tom mispronounces don't it. Don't fucking complain. <laughs> yeah, like, if you want me to say, you know, Jerry <laughs> Springer, I don't know why I thought of that. If Jerry Springer's here, and Jerry Springer's taking a break from throwing chairs, and he just says, I want him to say Jerry Springer, then you should have made your fucking Discord name Jerry Springer. But, but that's your not your name. Your name is Malm Hin, I believe. <laughs> and I don't hate you. I love you because you fill up my reader mail. <laughs> but I'm just saying, consider changing your name if this matters to you. If it matters. But I have 100 reader mail questions I have to filter through. I can't... <laughs> I can't just try to learn a hundred different non-real names. That's all I'm saying. But he asks, is there a point of diminishing returns for core thread count? Yeah, I think it is at 12. I think that the on Windows 10 scheduling, I think it starts at 12 cores, but it really starts at 16. So that's what I'm saying is if you get a 32 core... Expect diminishing... Disable hyper-threading. Yeah, like big diminishing I mean, returns. And, and I think it really kicks in at like 16. I mean, and you said like on Epic... Uh, once you get to the higher core counts, there begins to be issues with like Windows just, oh, I don't know how to run this. So, yeah, there's obviously a point of diminishing returns. Which I don't know if justifi- if that's justifiable. I mean, what the- I mean, Windows, Microsoft, you have a lot of money. I mean, what the well, fuck? I, to be but- fair to them, though, what have they needed to code for? Well, I guess some of those higher end ones. I, but- I don't care. They're rich. <laughs> I. Yeah, I'm just saying, I I think the programming is going to come after the hardware is released, and those will probably work fine at some point. Oh, shit. I'm just noticing Mahalman sent me a message down here, and it says, Mahalman is Gaelic, easiest to use the Anglican form, Melvin. What? That's Melvin? Melvin. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We speak American here. Not English, American. 
Exactly. Yeah, we threw those fuckers out. Uh, but no, what Melvin asks is, and I'll actually double down its 16 cores for this reason. Intel ran into some errors with their 18 core before Threadripper even came out. So that's it. 16. 16 cores, 32 threads is when the issue happens. So I don't think you would ever want to. If if you if let's put it this way, if one fourth of your workload is gaming, even one fourth, unless there's a real special app using those sixty four cores or forty eight or whatever, thirty two threads. That's pretty much where Windows starts freaking out past thirty two threads. So I, just keep that. I in mean, mind. yeah, and if you're looking at like a nuanced point of diminishing returns, I I don't know. I think it's it's probably a exponential slope. Like <laughs> like it gets. The it, it returns diminish They're over working time. On it. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how many issues there are with sixty-four bloody core Threadripper. Yeah. I mean, on that one, I'm definitely disabling <laughs> hyperthreading. I mean, my God, I, I don't know what you're doing. I honestly, if you're use, uh, but a lot of these people buy it and use Linux to be clear. But all these questions are about Windows, so that's why I'm answering them that way. That is worth mentioning. On Linux, it games just as well as the sixteen core because it doesn't have an issue actually using the bandwidth effectively. And I know if you run apps on Linux, there are a lot that just run literally 50% faster on AMD, and they just make Intel half as powerful. So for those people, you can ignore this conversation. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Dan? Um, I think that covers all of it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a lot of editing. I'm sorry uh, for that. I actually got it. Well, I don't think it's your fault, really. Uh, but uh, actually, I'll say this. I got to go cook some Italian stroganoff for dinner here. Uh, and I'm saying that out loud because Brock, who we've mentioned too many times in this episode, is going to laugh when he hears that I'm cooking Italian again. And if anybody is curious, I also had Italian food for dinner tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh, like i was talking to him the other week and i was like i'm making uh chicken parmesan right now and he's just like tom you didn't need to tell me every goddamn time we're talking on the phone i swear you're cooking pasta or something uh but yeah i guess what we're trying to say is we are launching our recipe channel right now <laughs> Uh, you know what? I launched a political channel. People are like, what would be next? Well, next would clearly be a polit- a, a, a co- I made the politics channel. What would be next? Probably a comedy or storytelling channel or both. And then after that, it would be a cooking channel, guys. Like I actually have like 100 followers or more on a cooking app I have. I'm not telling you who I am, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, look out for Moore's Law is cooking. <laughs> Or, yeah, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> let's well, end this. Or what? No, let's just end it. <laughs> no, fuck you, or what? Uh, it was, <laughs> I was just going to say, or Dan, anyone still <laughs> listening is in for anything we say. Uh, I was now. just going to say, or Dan's Law is cooking because Dan's Law. I don't have a channel. Well, you just name your channel Dan's Laws. I don't have a channel, so <laughs> it just makes absolutely no sense. You just call it Dan's, or how about just Dan's Law? And it's just you with a gavel. Dan's, it's an interpretive dancing channel where I carry a gavel the whole time. 
You know, I was just driving through Indiana. There's a lawyer there called the Hammer. And every there's a billboard every three miles, and he's holding a different hammer, <laughs> a sledgehammer, a giant, a ball peen hammer, a giant standard hammer, like a giant version of what you think of as a hammer, like a giant one of those, like that. Then he's just everywhere, just the hammer. Well, Knock over your semi truck, call the hammer. Get in an accident on your motorcycle, the hammer's there. Well, he's laying down the law. He's a local treasure, I'm told. <laughs> to anyone in the Indiana, Kentucky region, I just probably made their day by talking <laughs> about the hammer. And again, there's one person out of like one to two thousand people who will hear this, <laughs> who listened this goddamn far into our rambling and then got to me talking about the hammer of Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> our incoherent ramblings. <laughs> I think it's highly intelligent, but sure. Yeah. Speak for yourself. I guess I think you and I are both incoherent. (laughs) All right. You want to play the division later or something? (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later, Dan. All right. And done. (laughs) Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Laws Dead, and also co-hosted by my brother, Dan. Please visit Moore's Laws Dead at YouTube to see much more in-depth analysis of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA products and rumors. Also, if you love this podcast, please subscribe and consider giving me a review on your distributor of choice. It really does help. And if you really like this and my other content, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. Unlocked or higher supporters get to submit questions and have in-depth discussions with me after videos and podcasts. Plus, There are a lot of intelligent people on the included Discord channel that are having some pretty enlightening hardware discussions right now. I bet they wish you could join them. In fact, I will now give thanks to my NetBurst or higher supporters immediately because I could not afford to dedicate the time or resources necessary to providing this content you like without these supporters. And so, without further ado, well, actually let me say this. This is not a stitched together edit of every name that I have recorded recently. Every week, I say the same thank yous to all the names on my list again, because I want to remember all the people making this possible. On July 15th, the following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz level or higher. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Paraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Victor Janecki, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Calm Marco, Thyrister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Reniger, Hulin Liao, Danielle Keish. And of course, thank you to Zahara once again, who is playing this music. <laughs>